Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Hey, it's me, Egbert. E-G-G-B-U-R-T. Check out my website at egbert.com. Now it's back to those two dudes who told me they would bring in big ratings. They better are their history. Here are Brad and John. Every time I play that, I think to myself, how am I going to make my Ferrari payment if Egbert gets rid of me? You know what I'm saying? You know, it's it's a great opportunity for us to just practice a little bit of zen, Brad, (laughs) and just realize we don't control other people. We can only control what's within our realm of control. And that's just coming in every day and executing, Brad, just executing to the best of our ability. I'm afraid he's going to come in and execute us someday, but <laughs> that's a whole other story. It might be a circular firing line. There might be <laughs> right, a whole lot right. of people standing around us, Brad. That is John Combest. He's the guy that puts together johncombest.com, C-O-M-B-E-S-T, johncombest.com, every single day for the past 22-plus years. What, 23 years now? 23-plus years? Or 22. I'm not an exaggerator. 22-plus so years. 22. When we reach October... Then I'll talk about 23. Every single day. And we're not talking like like government days where, you know, you get a Monday off and a Saturday and Sunday. We're talking every single day of every single year since 2000 and what, two? No, 2001. 2001. News doesn't, as I as I posted on Instagram this weekend, Brad, I occasionally include, include a link to some of our stuff. News doesn't take the weekend off. Well, tell that to a lot of people in in today's society. Tell that to a lot of people in the radio business. Tell that to people. At, <laughs> yeah. Tell that to the people at KWMU. But that's all. Hey, other story. that's right. And you know what, though, it's a great lesson for everyone. Just because other people are taking naps on holidays and taking three day weekends and taking the day after holiday off, doesn't mean you have to do the same thing. Let me tell you the story with KWMU. On oh, yeah. a Saturday morning, let's say this next Saturday morning, Donald Trump could have a bunch of of uh, vigilantes take over the White House. They could attack the White House. They could take Joe Biden and put him in a rest home somewhere. They'd take Kamala Harris and move her back to California. They could take over the Supreme Court. They could take over the House and the Senate, and you wouldn't know about it on KWMU until Monday morning. Because yeah. <laughs> or as you like to use this analogy, Brad, or use this example, somebody could knock the arch into the Mississippi River. And more, and we certainly wouldn't know about that because if it's not covered by national NPR, how are we going to hear about it? Right. Well, John puts together. <laughs> I got way late again. It's all my own fault. Not way late. I just got distracted. John puts together this list every morning, uh, every single day, and he is here right now to give us the top three. John, the floor is yours. Number three story today involves some Republican on Republican violence, not real violence, but verbal violence. So it's one of the media's favorite narratives is pitting one group of Republicans against another, whether it's warranted or not. But a really interesting story came out because State Auditor Scott Fitzpatrick issued a report regarding Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft's office. And there were a couple notable things in that report. The first one is that Secretary Ashcroft decided about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, to remove Missouri from something that's called the Electronic Registration Information Center. It's called ERIC. 
And it's where a group of states get together to exchange voter registration information. And the idea of it is to keep dead people from voting. If somebody dies, if somebody moves across state lines, how can states better coordinate to make sure that voter rolls are more efficient? Secretary Ashcroft decided that Missouri would not participate in that interstate program. And in the report that was issued yesterday, Auditor Fitzpatrick really questioned that decision. Not so much questioning Ashcroft's logic in removing Missouri from that program, but suggesting that if Missouri is removed from that, what do we have as a backup? So, in other words, Missouri should not have exited that program without having a fallback program in place. So, in other words, Fitz, Fitzpatrick is a Keyhole fan, right? Is that what it is? is that what it, comes well, down I wouldn't to? say that. Like, I, I think that would be unfair. I see what you're getting at there, Brad. And you know what? Let's get to that in one minute, too, because I think it does have to do with the governor's race. But I think that Auditor Fitzpatrick was pointing out that, that Ashcroft, if he doesn't have a better plan in place, he could certainly communicate what that plan is a little better. And then the, the other prong really of the criticism that Fitzpatrick had is that the Secretary of State goes in, and I believe it's every two years now under under a new Missouri law, goes in and, and does a examination of every county's electronic systems for voting. And essentially to make sure that there that every county has some security measures put in place. Now, oh. Ashcroft has not submitted to Fitzpatrick's office the results of those reports. Oh. And Fitzpatrick is essentially saying, look, our office wants to make sure that you're doing this the right way. And Ashcroft pretty much says, well, we don't really have to. And if we made that information public, it could compromise the security of some of these election systems. So there, there's, there really appears to be no to be no solution to this at this point. So the Post-Dispatch described the report yesterday as scathing was the word they used it. And you're right here, Bran, in terms of it does have some kind of an effect, obviously, on, on Ashcroft because in the broader scope of this, he's running in the Republican primary. And it's it's kind of like the cliche of death by a thousand cuts. Like if you're Ashcroft, you have Bill Igel coming at you every single day. Now you're facing friendly fire from a fellow Republican and a statewide office holder. You got people on CNN who were putting you on painful interviews every time you try to talk about Joe Biden. It's just how much more can a man take, Brad? I just got a, a text from uh, Bill Igel and he says that Fitz, Fitzpatrick is coming after him. <laughs> That's what he says. Hey, you never know. You never know. And you know what? If I'm Bill Igel, I want everybody coming after me because That's right. the more people that are talking about me and the more I say that I'm going to drain the Jeff City swamp, the better for me. The more the merrier. Number so two. So I have, I have a few articles about that up today. That's the number three story today. Number two. Number two is a story that we've touched on in the past, and it's the open congressional seat, which is the third congressional district currently represented by Congressman Blaine Lutkemeyer. Yesterday, an interesting development. State Senator Travis Fitzwater, who's from Holt Summit, from, from central Missouri, announced that he is not running for the congressional seat. He was widely regarded to, as, as being a potential contender, and in fact, he left the door open when asked about it recently. And as a second part of this number two story, Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman appeared on Jason Rosenbaum's Politically Speaking podcast. I have a link up to that today. You can listen to it on the KWMU website. You can listen to it on Spotify, where she runs through a gamut of federal issues, everything from Ukraine 
to strengthening border security to Israel and Hamas. Well, so, so, so yesterday, far. If, you're a, if you're a supporter of Senator Coleman, it was a pretty good day because one of your potential top competitors and that Republican primary announced that they are out. Well, isn't Fitzwater the only guy who actually lives in the district so far? I mean, of all the people who've talked about it? Well, I, so Nick Schroer lives in the district. No, he doesn't. He, he, I, I'm pretty sure I heard him say he does not. He's in O'Fallon, which is which is part of the. Uh, no, 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 no. He lives. He lives. He doesn't. Live he's in Defiance, I guess. That's right? right. He lives in Defiance. We'll check that in the. We'll check. I'm that pretty in sure the, I heard commercial break. I'm pretty sure I heard him interviewed, and he said that that you know once again he's going to move again, you know, because he already moved once supposedly. But I don't think he's in the district as well. Everybody who's, for to my knowledge, Fitz Fitzwater is in the district, correct? Because he's in that. Correct. That, and when you say everybody, who who else would that include well, besides? Uh, Coleman and Schroer. Ander, Ander doesn't live in the district because mm. because okay we're gonna we're, we'll take a look at that and the, you're right because Bob would be in the second congressional district right, right about that he lives because he, he moved to Augusta because if I'm not mistaken isn't isn't the boundary line Highway 40 for some of that so if you're yeah nor- let's look that up over the break. if you're I'm north sure of exactly 40, where if you're north of 40 is. you're in you're see what's so crazy about it is. Those two and three districts are so weird. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. the number three district, if I'm not mistaken, it goes from the Mississippi all the way to Jefferson City, doesn't it? It Does- does. Yeah, it goes from that that what's that West Alton up there? And yes, <laughs> if you take three sixty seven north, crazy. yeah, it goes all the way from up there. Right. And it's like, okay, that's sort of weird, you know. And and once again, isn't it the state law, the federal law that says that the district shall be compact and and whatever? You know, like how in the world do you stretch yeah. something across an entire, you know, Two-thirds across the way of the state. But anyway, I'm sorry. Hey, Brad. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. And you're right. I just brought the map up, and you are correct about Nick Schroer. Defiance is outside of the 3rd Congressional District. Yeah, you're yeah. right about that. Yeah, because he's – because and then and then Mary Elizabeth Coleman is not in the district as well, too. She's and, right across the district line. Right, she explains it. And once it, again. She's, she's, not, she's not far. John, something was taught to me a long time ago, which has stayed with me for a long time. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> I read that in Baseball Digest in third grade, and it's been one of my favorite quotes. Right. Horseshoes the number and hand one grenades. story is really a, tri- a triumvirate of stories, and they include Senator Josh Hawley, who is, uh, he would say, standing tall for Missourians. Others would say he, he's, he's obstructing. But there's a, there's a unique set of stories today. Two out of the three stories really involve at least some sort of a a local angle. One of them via the post dispatch is about Senator Hawley's pushback against electric vehicles. And specifically, you know, Senator Hawley appeared at the UAW plant. He is a friend of auto workers now. Not to suggest that he wasn't in the past, but he's certainly now a friend of auto workers, he says. And he's pushing back against the Biden administration mandate on electric cars. His point is that we should not be propping up electric car makers, specifically China. Well, you know, the interesting thing about that is, uh, let's talk about that for a minute. That's your number one thing, right? Okay. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about that is, and once again, I want everybody to understand, because I've actually had people say, I thought you were a fan of electric cars. I am a fan of electric cars, but here's what I don't like. What I don't like is, let's say, let's take electric out of the equation. And let's say that the federal government came out and said, you can only have two cylinder engines in your cars. 
and you go like, well, hold on a minute, I, two cylinders underpowered. I want at least a turbocharged four, and maybe even a V6 or you know a V8, or maybe if I want my big fancy exotic uh, you know uh, car, have a V10 in it. Nope, nope, nope. You only have two cylinder engines. That's what I don't like about this whole thing. That already yeah. you've got California saying, well, by what is it? I think by 2030. Very soon. It's right around the corner. And once again, the interesting thing about this is that the infrastructure is not there. Matter of fact, there's a a Senate hearing or a congressional hearing. I I, I should pull the audio on this. I can't remember who the the, the guy was. He's, He's quizzing down all these people from the Department of Energy and things like that and asking them how much electricity do we need in the United States. And it comes down to what they call terawatts, terawatt hours, okay? And nobody knows. All these guys yeah. who are like the you know authorities, you know, who making these rules and stuff like that. Nobody knows. And this guy, I can't remember if he's a senator or representative. It's like a hearing. It's a little, little. It's a YouTube video. And essentially, he says after asking like five of these guys, he said, "How in the world can you be pushing an agenda where we're going to switch over to all electric vehicles when you don't even know how much electricity we have right now and how much we'll need to essentially." Yeah you know, supply this for the entire, entire country. And that's the thing for me is not only that, the situation is there's been a lot of in the news because I'm a Ford guy. There's a lot of stuff in the news about the Ford lightning pickup truck, which is the F-150, which is electrified. Okay. Back in December, they announced they were cutting the production in half because of the fact that guess what? People aren't buying them. Yeah, they're sitting on the – we talked about this last week. Production of these vehicles is far outpacing consumption. Right, and and the problem is that a lot of people are still saying, uh, you know – I mean, the, the deal with trucks, the deal with the trucks is the range issue. And especially if you – and once again, when they give you the range in a car, you know, there's not too much you can do to change that range other than like, like – let's say if it was a, a sedan, put – five people in it plus the driver a lot of weight okay in a truck you may have you know a ton worth of stuff in the back you may have you know two by fours and and four by eight sheets of plywood or 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 wall board or you know are pulling a trailer i mean the famous video that went viral is this guy i watched tyler hoover out of wichita kansas and he has this uh youtube channel called hoovy's garage and he bought one of the f1 uh one of the lightning trucks and towed a trailer with another car on it like 30 miles and in the winter and when he left his house he had like 245 mile range he tows a trailer up to this garage up north of wichita offloads the trailer brings back the trailer empty and by the time he gets home he has no more juice you know his battery is down to like 10 miles yeah and once again the crazy thing about this there's videos out right now showing the new tesla cyber truck that everybody's going gaga about the same problem there's a guy who's trailering matter of fact he's showing sort of an extreme example he's got a trailer with a with an army humvee not the not the the uh, the civilian version but the literally army humvee that he bought and he's trailering it around someplace in utah same problem he gets to the point where, at one point in time, he's got two miles left, and thank goodness he ran across the charging station. When he gets to the charging station, guess what? All the charging stations are full, and you know, nobody's going anywhere for a while because they sit there. It's just, you know, this is the problem. Now, if you live in an apartment or a condo, how do you charge it? If you live yeah. in an older home that doesn't have the electrical, we've talked to, on Westplex, we talked to, to, um, uh, 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 
God, a stream, extreme electrical, Caleb Hunter, uh, about this. And he's already talked about the fact that that they're having issues with people wanting to put in uh, a car charger and having to completely redo their entire electrical system for the house because they have to put in a car charger because they don't have the capacity in their electrical panel. You know? Yeah, and, and you've quoted the, the price before on that as some uh, outrageous well, price. Well, I mean, if you, it depends on the, your house, but... If you were to call up and say, hey, I need a new panel, you know, like let's say older house has, some of the older houses had like 100 amp panels. And nowadays, almost, I think almost every house that's built has a 200 amp, has a 200 amp panel. I mean, if you want to convert from a 100 amp to a 200 amp panel, you got to, you know, got to pull a permit, which costs money. You got to contact Ameren UE. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I mean, it's literally probably the the, the cheapest, I think he said the cheapest they could do was probably $1,500, and that would be an easy install with no complications. But yeah, yeah it is. I I'm mean, sure. And I know we're up against time here. Have we, we've never talked about the the whole electric car Nikola issue. Remember the whole Nikola controversy? Right. You talk and 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 and, the fra- and Trevor Milton, I think Trevor Milton, the CEO of that company, went to jail for, for fraud. There's, you know what? There's a there was an article I read just last week, and there were names on there I didn't even recognize that already. There's been like three or four electric comp- electric car companies that have failed. And you know what? Once again, but here's the interesting thing: you go back in the history of the internal combustion engine car, the ICE car. You go back into the 20s. There were, I think, like I read this somewhere, there were like 150 different car manufacturers. Okay, now it's down to essentially General Motors, Ford. Chrysler, whatever they call themselves yeah. now, uh, what is it? What's what's their? Uh, is it Daimler now? What's no, the official name? No, of Daimler now? was the old Mercedes company. They then they were owned by Fiat. Now it's something else. It's oh, Stel- Stellantis. Uh, Stellantis. Stellantis. Okay. Yeah. Then you've got Kia and Hyundai, which essentially are the same cars. And uh, then you've got you know, and then what's happened is even like the other badges, like BMW. BMW owns. Uh, they own. Uh, not only do they own BMW, I think they own Mercedes. No, they don't own Mercedes. They own. Um, Lamborghini, they own a bunch of others, you know, and to the point yeah. where it used to have England used to make a lot of cars. England doesn't make any cars anymore that I know of. I mean, there was an interesting thing. I found this out from one of my car buddies on Facebook. Do you know there are no cars being made in Australia anymore? I didn't know that. Zero. Wow, really? Yeah, there was a brand down in Australia which was owned by General Managers called uh, General Motors called Holden, H O L D N. General Motors shut it down. There is not one car being manufactured in Australia anymore. In Australia, matter of fact, a lot of the cars in the United States, there are certain versions of the cars in the United States. The police package Impalas were actually uh, rebadged Holdens from Australia. They're actually made not made in Australia. The uh, Pontiac GTO, they came out the second generation, which was like in the like I guess late '90s, early 2000s. That was a rebadged Holden. Holden's gone. They just shut it down. So wow. another another car, another one bites the dust. Okay, coming up next, I want to talk about John Combest in the news. Nice. Yes. I, I must not have seen it. Well, you talked about it, but you may not know the context that I'm going to talk to about. All talk right, about I can't it. wait. Okay.